The people who aren't wealthy is because they don't own nothing. You only have your money sitting in cash. If your money is just sitting in cash, realistically, you're becoming poorer every day. Some people actually fear success. Mm. Success comes with a lot, right? But until you can overcome that average reality that you're living in, no matter what you're on, once you become comfortable there, it becomes average. Anyone can live in average. Everyone can live in mediocrity, right? Then there's those outliers who consistently push themselves to go to the next level. Knowledge is what gives us leverage in life. It's not about how strong you are. It's about what you can learn. And then how can you actively apply that? The more money they print, the more money that money loses value. It's the reason why the bank wants you to have your money there. So they can take it and use it and invest <laughs> it so much and be like, hey, it's just sitting, I'm gonna give you 50 cents on whatever you had in there. Right. And so the idea of ownership was, you know, we can just start owning everything that we, no matter if it's just a stock, like that's powerful. Because if you can start owning the businesses that you now consume every day, you turn a one-time transaction to a lifetime of profit. And that was major for me. Because if I go to the store and buy a pair of Nikes, that's a one-time transaction. In order for me to get something from them again, I gotta come back and buy another pair of Nikes. But if I own the Nike stock, long as I own it, it's a profitable um, vehicle for me. So that one-time transaction be can become a lifetime of profit if I own that business. If I'm gonna buy Apple, if I know I'm an Apple user, if I know I got the phone, I got the AirPods, I got the MacBook, I got the PC, I got I excited when Apple was about to drop something, why wouldn't I own it? So he said, wealthy people stop trading time for money, they start making their money work for them and they give value to as much value to people as they can. The caveat, I mean, you know, we got a little deep into that. He said, the reason why you give people so much value is because if you give them so much value, they'll never leave you and they'll always be there for you. And you will never need for anything as long as you give wealthy value to people. Wealthy people, first they get into stocks, then they start a business, and then they get real estate. As long as you believe in it, like you said, the only belief that matters is what do you believe you can do? I personally believe that there is nothing I cannot do. And for me, it's all about impact, purpose, fulfillment. Like the money is a byproduct of everything else. That isn't my focus. My focus is I have a knowledge and information that I know that can change lives. Not just one life, not just like lives. And so the way that you change lives is by consistently learning, finding new ways to put that information out there, being able to open up, being able to be vulnerable because people need to connect. So like just coming up in the streets, you only see the game from the lowest level. And you look at everybody else in part admiration and part like jealousy. Cause you see it and you're like, damn, I'll never get there. Right? And so the only way that I think I can get that is through sports or hustling. That's it. That's the only, or rapping. Those are the only three options that you have. And so you, you make a decision on which way you want to go. Right? And so you look at it from like, damn. And so me, I'm at the time like, man, I can't rap. Damn sure I can't play sports. So hustling is what I got. You limit yourself and nobody comes along and teaches you anything different. The reason why people think wealthy people or people with money are sinister is because that's what you kind of taught in the hood. Like you kind of taught like the people who really have money, like they did some wicked shit to get it. 
it did some backstabbing, cut those shit to get it, and you'll never get that, right? And so that same mentality now happens on a lower level, right? The hustling and the dope dealing. So now you think like, yo, I gotta just do sinister shit to get money. And then the people who are successful in the drug game, they're looking at the people at the top like, damn, I wanna be that. But the people at the bottom will never get a taste of that. And so now we just kind of living off ambition. And so now the people who are in the middle who work in, they're like, all oh, them people with money, they all crooks. They all, because being at the bottom teaches you to envy people at the top. It, it just happens. It's a, it's something that grooves down there, right? It's kind of like you cook, I don't know if you had gumbo before, right? But it's kind of when you cook food, right? The base goes to the bottom. And so most people live in that bottom, never knowing how they will get up there. No one now believes that it's possible. Once you keep passing that down, you start accepting the lower levels. And then there's a few of us or a few people who say, no, nah, I'm an outlier, yo, like, I'm about to go for it. And then whatever happens, I'm with that shit. You feel me? So for me, again, one of the greatest things that happened to me was my mother telling me, like, the world is wrong and you gotta get this shit how you live. But I also saw my grandmother be a legal entrepreneur. So I saw it from both worlds. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was going to prison because I was able to sit down and mature in that environment. Whereas had I been in the world, I'm not saying I wouldn't still be this, but the path would have been completely different. So while I'm in prison, I, I pick up a habit of reading. That was the game changer for me. On the streets, I never had the opportunity to just sit down and read because I'm always trying to survive. In prison, there was no longer a survivor mode there. So I went through a phase where I was reading like the hood books and then I was like, man, I lived this shit already. No matter how many times you tell a hood story, it's still the same. Right. I've lived this shit for real. I don't keep need to read this. And so I used to get up in the mornings and watch CNBC. So my you people in prison, they love to watch the young and the wrestling. <laughs> and so I would have to get up before them to watch like Squawk Box, mm. Jim Cramer. And I'd be like, damn, these motherfuckers making all this money and they not risking their life. Something gotta change for me. Like something gotta change. And so I just started listening to them every day and I started comparing it to the streets. A good business is just like a good hustler. A good business has great product. They have great clientele. A great hustler has a great product. He has consistent clientele. A good business on the stock market has what's called a moat, a competitive edge that keeps his competitors away. A good hustler on the street is gonna have that competitive edge where they be like, nah, yo, I ain't rocking with you. I'm gonna just wait to trap, come back, right? So there's the competitive edge. A good business has a good branding moat, meaning my name is good, right? So a good hustler on the street, yo, trap got that blue magic. I'm good on you. Like if I can't get trap, I'm gonna just go trap. But trap got that blue magic, that's what I'm rocking with. Branding mode, right? That's it. A great business on a stock market has more assets, more liquidity than debt. A good hustler on the street is if you don't learn how to fund your business, if you're operating while all you have is re-up money, you're not gonna last long. So those components reminded me the same. In the, on the stock market or uh, in the world, if a company's paying terrorists, that's equivalent to a, biz, a, a dude on the street going pay draft to go hustle in somebody's hood. Like you can't hustle over here unless you pay me draft. <laughs> it's the same as a terror. It's the same thing. Yeah. So once I, under, once I broke the game down to a way that I can understand it, it wasn't about me just being brilliant. It was like, yo, how do I make the game winnable for me? 
So for me, it's always about how do I attain as much? It's always a challenge for me. How can I attain as much knowledge as I can? Because I love learning. Like I love learning. But then how do I take that and be able to now reciprocate it or give it to somebody who may not understand calculus or trigonometry? But if I can give it to them in this way, they can say, oh, yeah, I got it. And there's more people that struggled in the world that has become successful. So struggle has to become a language that I'm, I struggle. So that's the language I'm great at. So if I can break down things into a struggle language, now I make it the game winnable for everybody. And that's the goal, to make the game winnable for everybody who's bold enough to step into the bad cage. If you bold enough to do that, I was bold enough to jump in a goddamn 152-foot <laughs> tank with sharks in Dubai. If you're bold enough to do it, there's an experience that comes from that. And that experience is so exhilarating, it will take you to the next level. Mm -hmm. Because now you keep chasing the next level of you. And that is when you start understanding life at a whole nother concept, when you start understanding that, yo, for the longest, I was just low-level living. I was low-level thinking. Now that I've been exposed to something, and I say this often, whatever you haven't been exposed to isn't your fault. Once you get exposed to it, you now are accountable for it. And so once I've become exposed to so much knowledge and information, once I expose you to it, you're accountable because now you can no longer say I didn't know. So the important thing for me to tell them is start where you are. You build a house brick by brick. I mean, of course, you can get a house put together all at once. <laughs> we live in that world I get now, the idea. Right? But you build a mansion, you build an empire, you build it brick by brick. Like you start with $25. If, and we have to understand, think, uh, RIP to Nip, man. The great, he says something that's phenomenal. He said, we're on a marathon. We didn't get into the our situation overnight. Right? If we look back at our situation, you see that was, you inherited that whatever it is, that poverty, you inherited that, that mindset, that idea of scarcity, that idea that you don't have enough money. You inherited that. Building wealth becomes a revolutionary act because now you start saying, I'm gonna go against what I was taught, right? And so I say, if I start with $25, if you can do $25 a month, that's cool. If you can do $25 a week, that's cool. But what happens is, once you start understanding the power of how your money works, you'll start saying, yo, I don't need to do that because that's taken away from this. Let me, that 25 will now become $50. Guaranteed. That 50 will now become 100 because you're gonna start doing more with less. The person who works out and sees that they drop 10 pounds in two weeks says, you know what, I'm gonna go a little harder because I know if I can drop 10, I can drop 20. Right, I know if I can get, if I see one muscle shape up, <laughs> I know it's possible. The word possible is so powerful. Possible changes the game. Instead of it being impossible, we now say I am possible or I'm possible. That changes the dynamic. So the first mindset is saying, invest in your first stock. It don't have to be a winner. It doesn't have to be a home run. It can be an AT&T stock that costs $26 right now. It may not be the best investment in the world, but you stole it, right? And the great thing about anything is you can't be great if you never go to practice. You can't hit 81 if you never get in the gym. So just get in the gym and then find somebody who can teach you. Be dedicated to understand the process. Warren Buffett said he reads 500 pages a day. That lets me know that I got a whole lot more reading to do. I'm an audible book junkie right now because I'm trying to, because I can, if he's the greatest investor, 
and if he's reading 500 pages a day, I don't know how he does it, but in my mind, if he's still learning, I got a whole lot of learning to do. If somebody like Monash Pabrai and Guy Spivey can pay Warren Buffett a million dollars to have lunch with him, and these are already great investors who I look up to, if they can pay him a million dollars to go have lunch with him, that means they're trying to learn, their learning has to go to the next level. So if learning is the catalyst to everybody who's wealthy and successful, I can never be sufficient with what I know. And I think that has to happen too. We have to understand the power in learning and being educated, man.